Today, I got my brother, Kevin, sitting here with me, um, Kevin McNee. We, went, we met through Sacred Sons, and we've been in councils together. And to be honest, I went through a period over the last like two months where I didn't have the, the time or the space to jump into councils. And um, there was one that popped up that Kevin happens to co-facilitate, the one for the brothers in the north uh, in Canada. And that was the first time that I saw him in a long time. And so it was really, really good to see his face. I'm excited to drop in with him, um, see what's going on, see what's new, see how he is and what's, what's going on in his day-to-day -day life. So Kevin, thank you, brother, so much for being here. I appreciate you sitting down with me today. And uh, I'm just excited to be here with you, man. Thanks, brother. Uh, me too. And, you know, like you, like you spoke to, it's been... Uh it's easy to lose track of time. And, you know, all of a sudden you see a familiar face and you're like, wow, it's been a while. So thanks yeah. for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I, I was telling you this and I want to start off this episode this way. Cause last week when I was chatting with Daniel and I asked him how he was, um, it ended up being just a really, really potent question. So take your time, take a few breaths into this one, but, today specifically, how are you? You know, that is such a loaded question and, and it's something that, uh, you know, my go-to response is good, you, you know, and, mm -hmm. and this is, uh, you know, it's something where, you know, I, I almost don't want to ask that question anymore because, you know, I actually do care about how other people are but you know when i answer it i'm like you know it all depends on what what you're asking right um i feel really good you know health wise uh, physically i feel really good um i'm excited for what's happening in my life you know business wise in my relationship um with my children um but i've also got a lot of challenges too there's some financial stuff going on um you know i had to move back into my old house which is four hours away from from where I was living before and, and 
you know, challenges with my ex-wife and, and divorce and, and stuff like that. So, you know, that part is really challenging and, and very much a drain, you know, the, you know, the kind of like the elephant in the room, the COVID and, you know, the reactions to it and the responses and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the energy around that, what it's, what it's causing in, you know, families and relationships and, and, you know, we live in, I live in a pretty small town and, you know, we're in pretty close quarters. So, you know, it's, it does affect you, even though you try and try and, uh, you know, stay above all of that and, and, you know, keep your friends close. Right. But, you know, definitely. So there's with the goods, there's always the challenges. So kind of yeah. a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's what I was hoping for. Cause I think that there's so many times where just like you said, my go-to answer, someone asks, how are you? Good. How are you? Mm-hmm. Without even thinking twice. I'm not even thinking about answering. I'm just, oh, this is the question. And this is what my mind automatically wants to spit out. Um, But you're right. Like the more that I spend time around men of sacred sons or just people who are a little more conscious of their their speech and it's not so autopilot, the more that I want to answer that in like a really full way like you just did. Mm -hmm. Because that's how you create that deep connection. Absolutely. You know, um, and I started, you know, I answered this one time and it was actually my dad was asking because uh, I was going through separation at the time and, and they wanted everything to be just smooth again. Right. Yeah. So they would ask every day, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? And I'd, you know, I'd tell them the same thing. So finally he asked me and the one time I just said, do you want me to tell you how I'm really doing? Or do you just want me to say good? Mm. and he took a pause for a second and actually i got goosebumps thinking about it he goes i just uh, got goosebumps yeah he's like i wouldn't have asked if i didn't want to know and it actually like choked me up because you know my dad's a guy that you know deeper conversations just they never happened and you know it's uh yeah i feel like you know many of us can relate to that so you know that was uh yeah that was a powerful one for sure yeah, no, I, I resonate with that a lot because my dad and I have had, I can probably count on one hand the amount of deep conversations that my dad and I have had. And I think part of that is because it's it's vulnerable to be on the other side of the how are you, you know, like to be the recipient, to listen and, and be able to hold the space for someone to actually tell you how they are. Mm. Um it's really vulnerable. It can be scary because that then, at least for me, like when I ask people, I'm very empathetic. And so someone tells me how they are, I'm immediately able to put myself in their shoes and feel what it must feel like to be them in that moment. Mm -hmm. And like that calls forward a lot of emotion. And with that motion coming to the emotion, with that emotion coming to the surface, like you actually have to sit with it and feel it. You know, and I think that for older generations where it was not the norm to talk about our emotions and our feelings, it, it can just be really uncomfortable. So I think that's why, I, at least for me, I've had very few um, like really deep heart to hearts with my dad over the years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were never taught that, you know, from their dads. Right. So um, it it's generational. It's generational, right? It's an inheritance that, that, you know, that we've learned. And, and, you know, with that too, when you ask somebody how you are, you can kind of control what your response is, right? Mm -hmm. So that, 
it is like when, when you get asked that, it's a vulnerable spot because you could be like, hmm, I can play this one of two ways. I could just say good and, you know, probably walk away. And, and that's what there might be like waiting for. Yeah. Or I could, I could go a little bit deeper and just kind of see where it goes. But, you know, like that, the vulnerability comes from that unknown, right? You know, all of a sudden you like tell somebody, it's like, actually, I'm struggling right now and it hurts and I don't really know what to do or I don't know where to turn. Um, you know, they could be like, uh, I wasn't expecting that. Right. Or, yeah. you, know, you know, a guy like yourself would be there to hold space. And, you know, as men, we haven't had that a lot in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it just, it, I think it just opens up the invitation for them to sit in those emotions and actually be like, yeah, you know what? I do want to know. I do want to know how you are. Um, yeah, it, it's it's something that I'm working on being more vulnerable. Um, and I, and for me, the thing that I think has helped be helped me be more vulnerable on a consistent basis is not being attached to the outcome. Mm. Like I, th- I I can recall times where I would say something with a specific hope of how they were going to respond. And the more that I allow myself to just be my authentic expression, no matter what the person on the other side of the screen or the table or whatever it might be, however they may react is how they react. And it might be, yeah, like you said, it might be like, oh, wow, yikes. I wasn't thinking I was going to be jumping into this conversation and like being able to see that and be okay with it and know that yeah, I can understand how this could feel uncomfortable for you, but you asked and I wanted to tell you honestly and openly. Totally. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's so interesting too. Yeah. That attachment is, um, you know, attachment, expectation, there's, you know, many layers to that, right? The, the one thing, the a saying that comes through for me is like, you know, when you, when you have an expectation, you're always disappointed, right? Because you either you know, it was, you got what you expected. So it was no surprise. So no big deal. Or you were expecting something different and it showed up completely different. And then you're really disappointed. So, you know, that, that really does make sense. And and being attached to that and that surrender, man, that's, uh, it takes a lot of work to get to that point. And, And I definitely know what that's like. And, and even, you know, still get stuck in that in times where it's like, Oh, you know, I wanted this outcome or this reaction or result, and feeling myself, you know, getting pissed off or triggered because it didn't work out the way that I was hoping that it would, or and or at least expecting that, and sure. then going, oh, that's actually on me. Yeah, right? you know. Have you had an opportunity recently that's popped up that that you're that's coming to mind right now that's around this? Um. Yeah, like uh, one of the, I go back to like, you know, wanting to move forward with my, you know, my ex-wife and, and that situation. And, you know, like a situation that showed up for me is, is putting out like, I'll send an email saying, you know, this is, this is what I'm proposing that we do just for a schedule for the kids, sure. right? I'd like a two week schedule. You'd like a one week schedule. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's meet in the middle. We'll do one week schedule for a month and then two week schedule for a month and just alternate that. Then we're all getting what we want. 
and it just, you know, it's compromise, right? And, yeah. you know, putting that out there and, and just that compromise so that everyone's really getting what they want and me seeing that side of it and then getting the, the answer of no, I'm like, mm. I just don't get it. And then, you know, then it basically like pulls me back into the, you know, the situation that, that got us in, in the whole mess of separation and divorce anyways, because I'm like, it pulls me right back into that spot and that feeling of like resentment and frustration. Right. Sure. So that's, I would say that's a, that's kind of a recent example. So when that came up, what was, how did that go as far as navigating that and processing that? Do you have a process that works for you? Or is this something that maybe you're like, man, I don't have a fucking clue how to really work through this. <laughs> Cause yeah. I have those things where I'm like, some things I'm like, yeah, no big deal. This comes up. I know exactly how to navigate this, but then there's things that come up that like, like I, I've recently come to terms with, like, I have somewhat of like anger issues. Like when I get to a certain level and I feel it coming on, there's not a whole lot that I can do. And then I'm just in like this tornado of a mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of those things for me that I'm like, I have no idea how to process this. Cause I was never taught growing up how to process anger, how to work through anger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, is this something that, that you're kind of in, in that territory or do you have a pretty solid idea of how to navigate it? You know, the, I have, so it's been three and a half years of dealing with this, with that kind of stuff. Um, so I've, I have had to, I've got to repeat that pattern multiple times. So I would say I'm pretty well versed in, in practicing. So, you know, I have, you know, gotten mad and angry and reacted and said things that I didn't want to say and, and d- did, did things that I really did not want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come back to the drawing board and just, you know, being aware of like, okay, this is my, it's my responsibility for how I react and how I respond and, you know, how I deal with this situation. So going forward, um, what boundaries am I going to set for myself and what boundaries am I going to set on what I'm going to allow? So in this situation here too, um, I, I've given in more times than not to, sure. you know, to, to, you know, her side and, and her wants and asks and whatever, because of the guilt that I've had from, you know, leaving that marriage and that never made it better either. So, um, realistically it's been consistent battling for every part of it. And this is just one piece. So the way that I navigate that now is like, you know, what? I've done everything that I can to try and negotiate and make it fair you know, for both sides. So we both get what we want. If you're not willing to agree, then it's okay, but I'm going to do me anyways. Right. So, um, if you want, you can go to court and do that and, and we can go through the court, which, you know, they're probably going to say, yeah, it sounds pretty reasonable. So I, we can go that way. I don't want to, but this is, this is what's happening and I'm going to do me anyway. So yeah it's, uh, it's kind of worked out and and then yeah like setting that boundary like you know what i'm not going to react because there's no point right i'm not yeah. going to change her mind and that was that was my own control wanting to control the situation like oh if i do it this way then she's going to change her mind if i do it this way she's going to react this way or, or you know i'm going to get what i want and then not getting what i want and then stomping my feet like a you know like a little kid going like, oh like she was supposed to, you know, do what I wanted and then going, Oh, 
I was actually attached to, to that. Um, I had an expectation that because I was doing it this way, she was just going to agree and she didn't. So I'm like, that's not on her. She's just saying no. And, and I have to honor that. And I have to honor myself too. Doesn't mean that you're not mad though. <laughs> yeah. I, it's expectations are, are huge. And the thing that keeps popping up in my head as you were talking is that when we have an expectation, when I have an expectation of how I think something should go or is going to go, what I'm really doing is I'm cutting off every other possibility that the universe could be creating for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I know I'm smart enough to know that I'm not as smart as the universe. God knows a bit more than I do. And if totally. God's got a, if God's got a better plan for how this is supposed to go, then I got to trust that however this played out is exactly the way that it's supposed to play out. Like 100%. That's, yeah, that's been something I've re- I've really been working on leaning into lately is because I've had just a couple of things like, like with this podcast, like expectations. I had an expectation in my head that it was going to take off faster than what it is and have more listeners and this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, yeah, but like, that's what I wanted. What if that's not how it's supposed to happen? For sure. And, and, and you know, that be the truth. Totally. And, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's like, a, it's kind of like that saying, you be careful what you ask for, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it mm-hmm. right. Um, you know, the, I do believe that the universe, the universe will provide for you when you're ready, right? Whatever, whatever it is that's meant for you, it will come when you're ready. And, you know, in yeah. my life, you know, I asked for, you know, I asked for things and, and there's things that I wanted and I got it. And then I was like, Oh, well, that didn't, that wasn't how I expected it, but I did. I got everything that I wanted. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Good, good job. Nice house, fancy truck, um, money in the bank, you know, the, the, the kids, the white picket fence, all of that. I'm like, Oh, that was supposed to make me happy. And I got everything that I wanted, but it sure doesn't, sure doesn't look like the way that, that I expected it. So hmm. you know what? That's, that's on me. Right. I literally yeah. got everything that I asked for. And then, Oh, geez. Well, there's, there's, there's still something missing. What was that thing? Honestly, it was, uh, I truly had lost myself, mm-hmm. right? So I, uh, I didn't know who I was. I lost my identity in my job. I'd lost my identity in my relationship. Um, I was just known as like Kevin, the, the former golf pro or the, the manager of the, the business that I was managing or, you know, um, my ex's husband or my kid's dad. I didn't have an identity of me and I definitely wasn't, you know, I would say like in quotation marks allowed to be that person because um, when I did kind of let loose and, and was what felt like my authentic self, um, I got put down for it. And I got, you know, I got shamed for that from, you know, you know, from my, from my ex-wife for sure. But, you know, from others too, because um, it was different. Yeah. And it was outside, it was outside the box. And, and that's something that uh, I always felt that, but being a people pleaser and, and the peacekeeper, that's just kind of uh, who I was. So I would say to answer the question, you know, it was myself that was missing. So when did you, when did you start to give yourself permission to be you? Cause I, I think that there are so many men out there, there are women too, that 
have a hard time giving themselves permission to be themselves. Like, I know I struggle with that. Like this podcast is me giving myself permission to be me and say whatever crazy shit I want to say. Um, because there's a lot of things that I say that are absolutely nuts sometimes that most people look at me. They're like, yeah, Nick, I don't even know what you're on right now, but this is where I'm like, I'm going to be me hundred percent of the way. And, totally. but I, and it took me a long time to get to this point because I kind of, like you said, like I was, I was identifying with, with whatever job title I had or, whatever career path I was going after at the time, or I was going to start this business and do this. Like, that's what I was always identifying with. And I never really knew who Nick Boyle was because I was always trying to wear some other hat and play mm -hmm. that role, how I thought it should be played rather than just playing me. So how did, how did that process of giving yourself permission to be yourself? How did that go for you? You know, um, there's, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of steps and, and we can touch on that, but I would say like the, the number one thing was, um, I can remember, like I, I was on the trampoline with my kids one time and I was jumping on there for like, I don't know, maybe five minutes, two, three minutes, maybe. And I was like, so out of breath. <laughs> I was, uh, and I was a, like, I closet smoked for, for seven years. I was a smoker for on, you know, about 16 years, but yeah, like hit it from everyone you know, for a good portion of that. And, uh, I can remember laying in bed going, I could hear my, I could hear my lungs wheezing. Right. And it scared me because my family had history of heart problems and my dad had a heart attack. All of his brothers, except for one had heart attacks and his sister passed away from one when she was 39. And I was like 36 at the time. Okay. So I, uh, I had been seeing an energy healer for, since 2013 and this this was 2050 when I kind of had this realization so I had started to you know dive into a little bit like there's more out there right there's more yeah. I wanted to be a better person I wanted you know she would tell me things like you know you're meant to be more like you're meant to be bigger than where you are maybe like write books or like help people or talk to people or whatever and I was like oh man I always felt the same way but you know I'm, I feel like I'm kind of stuck where I'm at. Right. So anyways, I, in 2015, I, I stopped, I quit smoking and I knew at that moment that I was going to put those down for good for the first time where I was like, Oh man, this really feels like, like it. And I started taking care of myself, choosing myself first and, and, you know, started running. And the, when I did that, I felt better because at one, I was choosing myself right? Yeah. I'm taking care of myself. And, and then waking up early to do that before anyone else was awake, my family or the, the town. And just some of the things that I would pick up on, like the, uh, the smell, the smell of the, the trees and running through the forest and, and just mm -hmm. like the sounds of the birds. And man, I got goosebumps thinking about it and watching like the sun shine through the trees and through the fog and the mist. And I'm going like, man, I'm putting work in before anyone else is even out of bed. This feels really good. And yeah. it got to the point where I was like, you know, started to really notice differences physically in my body. Like I was, I struggled with being overweight my whole life and started to really notice that I, you know, was losing weight and looking better and, and other people started to notice. And, and that's when I really started to 
to really take inventory of going like, hmm, am I really happy in my relationship? Am I really happy in my job? Um, why is my relationship so, you know, so strained with my kids and with my wife? And why did I want to move away from my family, you know, to, to get some space? Like started asking all of those questions. And when I was running, I was so clear. It, it, it felt so good to be doing that. Mm -hmm. But then I'd get back into my life, my, my relationship or marriage and, and at work. And I'd be like, oh man, this is dark and this sucks and you know it's toxic but i it started to feel better so i was like you know not really sure how to navigate that but that was uh that was kind of the the starting point for sure that's huge i love that and i love that your clarity came from running because mm. i was talking about this with a friend the other day of how just like how she loves to run because she doesn't want to think about anything while she's working out just completely just detach from all of life, have this moment. And it's like your own meditation. Like, like yeah. for me, when I get into my zone of working out, we have a rower. And when I get into like a, a, a zone, uh, it's, it's one of the best feelings to just Absolutely. be there. And then all of a sudden I'm noticing like, oh my God, I've been rowing for seven, eight minutes. And I had no idea. Like, how did that time just go by? But it's because yeah. I'm just there. And, and not worrying about anything else that's going on in life. Totally. It's like, you know, and I, I will say it's very hypnotic, right? And, you know, once you get into it where, you know, you're not breathing heavy anymore, and your body's not hurting from like just getting going. Like once you kind of build that, that runner's strength, it's, uh, there's really nothing like it. And they, there's a thing they call the runner's high. And you get to mm -hmm. a point where, you know, it just feels like you can run forever. Your breath is in check. Your body's in tune. Everything is in sync and in alignment. And it's that moment. It's in those moments where it's like, man, things really just started to click. You know, a song would come on and I'd be like, oh, wow. Like, I can feel this song. Like, Stranglehold by Ted Nugent comes on. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Like, oh, I can feel this guitar, right? So it was, uh, it was pretty powerful. But you know what? I started to use that as a crutch. Right. I was like, I'd struggle at work and I'd go run. I'm like, oh man, okay, I feel better now. And then I'd go back to work and the struggle is still there. Right. Yeah. The, the energy is still there. You know, it's have a have a fight with my wife and just bury my words and thoughts because I didn't want to start the fight and just be the peacekeeper and avoid that at all costs. But I'd go run and and oh, you know, feel that release. But I was I was actually you know, pardon the pun, but running away from my problems. Yeah. Right. No, please bring the puns. Totally. <laughs> the dad jokes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, you know, that's what I was doing. And, and it was interesting because I had, I had this, you know, these image body image issues my whole life from being insecure, from being overweight um, that I thought that was part of the problem. Right. So when I really started to take care of myself and, you know, I lost, I went from 243 pounds to 200 pounds. So I lost over 40 pounds. That's um, amazing. I, I really noticed a difference. One, how I felt physically and mentally clear when I was doing that exercise, but also it was like, um, I started to get noticed by others. Right. And I was like, Oh man, this feels really good. But what, what really made a big difference was 
I was, my relationship was like this when I was overweight and unhealthy. And so was my job. Mm-hmm. And when I became healthy and looked better and felt better and whatever, my relationship actually went like this. So I was like, huh. I always thought a part of it was like, you know, maybe that she wasn't attracted to me, like, you know, with, with the intimacy and, and the, the lack of it. And, you know, my love language being physical touch, that was a huge part of it. So when you're not getting it, I'm like, Oh, what's wrong with me? Sure. Right. So, you know, I started to look better, feel better. I was happier. I felt, you know, all of this stuff was happening, but my relationship got worse. And I was like, Oh, hmm, maybe it's not me. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's so interesting that you have that awareness around that to, to be able to feel into that. Cause as you were talking about feeling like, or feeling the song that you were listening to, or like just looking at the beauty outside and actually looking at nature, like it's, it, it was almost funny for me to hear you talk about it like that, because that's how I look at nature all the time. Mm-hmm. And so to know that there's other people that and probably a lot of people that don't look at nature like that, that it's just kind of like, oh, well, there it is. Yeah, whatever. Instead of like being like, no, like there's probably few places in our like solar system, in our known universe that are as beautiful as earth. Like, and we have the privilege of being here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's a distinction that not many people make until way later in life from the conversations that I've had with, with a few people where they say like, yeah, it wasn't until I was in like fifties or sixties that life started actually slowing down. And I started really like looking around and noticing the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a podcaster that I listened to that my wife turned me on to called Ashley. Her name's Ashley Wood. Uh, her podcast is called the line. And what she does a lot of the times is she channels the Akashic records. Oh, um, beautiful. Yeah. It's, oh, if you haven't checked it out, it's worth it. I, I listen to her podcast, Sacred Sons and my own. That's it. Like, I don't, I, I, th- those are the three that I listen to right now. Um, but she just talks about nature in, in the way that you were talking about it all the time of just being just so in awe of it. Yeah. And did you notice any other sorts of shifts? Like, a, I mean, I think you kind of spoke to it already, but like, as you started to have the awareness around nature, did you start to have that depth of awareness and presence in other areas? Like you mentioned your relationship, Um, but I can only imagine that it started to spill over into other areas of your life too. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So one, um, I just want to touch on my, my partner, Kelly, she uh, does Akashic Records readings as well. And it's right on. It's next level, so I'll I'll definitely hook you up, and uh, it'll have she'll have to do a reading with you. It's it's super oh that'd powerful. be amazing. Yeah. yeah, Megan had one just the other day, um, and this woman like was just like straight channeling, like I, the way that she was speaking. Megan said was totally different than when they first started chatting, and the things that that were told to her from her records were so just scarily spot on. And it's yeah. Like, there's no way that she made this up. Like totally, this is, and that's where I'm like, what it I'm is. like, you, you better fucking be ready because there's going to be some shit to come up, and and uh, yeah, you got to hold some space for yourself and, and be prepared to to totally. do some real work around it because um, it can definitely bring up some stuff. That's for sure. But yeah, so to to go to your question, um, the noticing. So the very first time that I went and saw an energy healer, it was in 2013. 
I kept, I said in a, I just realized that it wasn't actually in 2013. It was, or 2012. And that's what I've been saying, but it was in 2013. Okay. Um, she told me, so like my, my ex-wife and I, we lost the son. He was stillborn at five months. Um, she had to go through full, you know, 10 hours of labor. And like, it was just like the most horrendous experience that I've ever seen. And, you know, just, I will say, no matter what our situation is and how, um, how difficult and strained that is, you know, the strength that she showed and, and the courage to go through that, like, yeah. it's something that I've, that I've never been, been witness to. So, you know, that was, that was something that, um, pretty powerful, but so it was after that when I was like, you know, I don't believe, I, I don't believe in anything. I didn't believe in God, Jesus, the Bible, um, afterlife, anything. I was just like going through the motions, numbing myself, drinking, smoking, you know, just working all the things. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I was just numb, but you know, I'd heard of this energy healer and I started asking questions to my, to my wife at the time. And she's just like, why don't you just go? Right. So yeah. I booked an appointment and, and went and the very first, like within the first two minutes, she just, she just said, you know what, your son's here. And he says, he loves you. And I was just like, Oh man! Oh my God! You're gonna make me tear up! Like literally, yeah, full body response. Like, like, wow! Right? So, um, I was I was sold. I mean, not that it was it's anything to be sold on, but I'm like, how the fuck did she know that? Right? There's no way. Um, so like, it was this was an hour long appointment, and and it was there were so many powerful insights. But the one thing that she said, she was, if you leave here remember if you remember one thing remember this she's like kevin the signs are coming from the universe so so deeply and so strong for you they're just about smacking you in the face and you're not noticing them. Mm. so she goes notice the signs i was like okay i said i'm gonna wow. do that right so i left that that uh that appointment and i was going to play in a golf tournament and it was a golf tournament that i played it was like a i worked in the oil patch and it was an oil field golf tournament. It was massive. It was all, you know, acquaintances, work buddies, friends from high school, like 300, 300 players. And I, it was just, it was one of my favorite times, right? Mm -hmm. I'd never won it, but I just had so much fun and it was lots of partying and losing and stuff like that, which is, which is, you know, the lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, I'm playing my practice round of this and I'm like floating like around the golf. I'm just like, Oh man, like I feel so good. Like, and started to play pretty good right off the bat. And I'm telling my buddies, these, you know, these old patch guys about this appointment that I just went to and this energy healer and whatever. And they're just like, okay, dude, like whatever. All right. You know, right. Sure. Um, <laughs> so we get to the eighth hole and I hit my ball. I hit a really good one, but down into the left rough, like the longer grass on the left. Okay. And I get to my ball and I look down at it and Right beside my ball, about this far away, there's this like burrowed little nest about that big. Like, like it looked like a little tornado in the grass. And in the bottom was like three robin's eggs. Really? And I was like, wow, isn't that cool? Right? Hmm. I'm like, hmm, I'm supposed to start noticing the signs. So I'm going to take that as a sign that I'm going to get a birdie. I'm going to make a birdie on this hole. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. So, 
I grew up golfing because my dad golfs. And so like I went to lessons and stuff. I haven't golfed in years. Okay. My wife okay. works at for a golf court or a golf resort around here. Oh, no and kidding. yeah. And so this summer we've been telling each other, like, we need to get out to the range. Like I need Absolutely. to practice. I want to be able to play. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I play slightly, but I haven't played in, in a long time. Totally. Well, you know, I'm like, um, maybe people don't know what a birdie is, but anyways, it's like one under par for the hole. So I, uh, I'm like, Oh, so I phone call my buddy Jeff over and I go, Hey dude, look at this. And he's like, shit, I've never seen that before. That's really cool. I'm like, I know, right. It's, I'm going to make a birdie right here. And he's like, okay, dude, whatever. So I hit the ball up. Sure enough, it's, I'm like, oh, geez, that looks really good. And it goes, bang. This <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> and I'm like, no shit, right? Oh my so gosh. I look over at him and he's just like, what the fuck, man? And I said, you're going to make one too. And I, 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 used, I, was a, I used to be a pro, so I can play, I can play a little bit, but not to like where I can call my shots like that. But uh he hits his ball and literally, Nick, it goes bang right beside my ball. Wow. And he was just like, he was speechless. And I got goosebumps thinking about it. Oh, fuck. It's like, it's one of my favorite stories. And, uh, you know, kind of went on through the practice round. And uh, just quickly, you know, the next day we get to the 14th hole and I wasn't playing very well. And I was like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be my year. Right. I was really feeling it yesterday. And, Sure. whatever and we get to the 14th hole and and i was down by one in match play and i had it was my tee box and i'm just kind of waiting for the group in front of us to move and i look up and above the above the green there's an eagle just like doing circles around the top of the green and it's like li literally like 50 feet above the green so it's like yeah. very noticeable right they're massive sure and i said to the guys i'm like is that an eagle right there and they're like, holy shit, it is. Like, I've never seen that before. I'm like, yeah, me too. So <laughs> like, right then I'm like, oh, I'm going to take that as a sign. And sure enough, I, I ended up winning the next two or three holes, won that match and won the tournament. And just, wow. I actually ended up winning that tournament five years in a row. Holy shit. After that. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was pretty powerful and special and, and something that, you know, each each year I went back there and just, you know, showed up with gratitude and there to have fun and play for fun and enjoy my experience and whatever. And it would just kind of flowed for some reason. I, at that time of year, I always just played good and, you know, just enjoyed myself. So that was a, uh, that was a really cool experience. I love that story. That's mm -hmm. so great. And I love that you went on to win for the next five years and, and that you did on the back of just having fun. Yeah. Like, like, and that, that speaks so much to the expectations because you weren't going there with the expectation of like, all right, I'm going to do amazing. I'm going to win this tournament. I'm going to blow everybody out of the water. Like your expectation was to have fun. Yeah. And like, you're in complete control of that. Like totally. if you win the tournament or not, you don't always have full control over that because some other players could just have a really incredible day, you 100%. know, yeah, exactly. but you can always be in control of having fun. And that's so, that's so important. So important. I, that's something that I remind myself of, like right before I came to sit down and, and have this conversation with you, like I, I can feel myself wanting to put pressure on myself to have it be the best podcast, be the totally. best conversation. But like the way that I've explained this to people, to like previous guests that have been on the show already, I've been like, do you plan a great conversation with a friend or does it just happen? 
It just happens. You don't plan it. You can plan to sit down and talk like we plan to sit down and talk, but I can't plan for it to be wonderful and, and to be an incredible conversation and be like, Hey, Nope, without a doubt, I'm going to be on today. It's going to be great. Totally. But what I can control is just showing up and being here and having fun. That's right. Exactly. And that, that can be a tough place, right? It, you know, the, so tough. We're our own worst enemies. And, and the, the, you know, the biggest enemy that we have is inside our mind. And, you know, it tells us all sorts of bullshit stories that, you know, that's really what they are. It's just bullshit. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I'm trying to be a little more um, intentional with how I talk about it. So yes, I think it's bullshit, but also my ego is just trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. My ego is like just looking out for me. So like the stories that it spins, it's literally, it's for my own benefit, just like it is for everybody. Everybody's ego is, is its sole purpose to, is to protect me, to protect you at all costs. Mm-hmm. from enemies within or without and so yeah like the, the part of me that was wanting to put the pressure on was my ego of like okay let's protect you from maybe embarrassment or maybe like i get tongue-tied in the middle of this i already did whatever you know yeah. but it's it i'm i'm trying to just be a little more conscious of, of how i talk about my ego um because something that I've, I've, I'm still working through is uh, negative self-talk, just like mm-hmm. we're talking about. Like I still struggle with it more days than I don't. Yeah, um, yeah just like really, really beating myself up. And so the one way that, I've, that I notice that I do that is when I talk about my ego, because I have a pretty good idea of what's ego and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, not always. Sometimes ego is very clever. And I'm like, no, this is from a very sovereign aligned space. No, it's not. (laughs) It's it's from a space (laughs) of protection and, oh, don't embarrass yourself or don't look like an idiot, whatever it might be. But I've, I'm working on, on talking about my ego in a more uh, gracious way, I guess I could say. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause that's a space I, I, I maybe said this in my last episode. Uh, my, my word for 2022 is grace. Cause I don't oh, show I myself that. enough of it. I love that. It's so, tra- so challenging for me to show myself grace, especially when I'm having a bad day and I'm like in the middle of the bad day mm-hmm. for my wife to remind me of like, Hey, are you showing yourself grace? No, I'm not showing myself grace. Like what the fuck? Like, cause in my mind I can rationalize why I should be beating myself up, yeah. but then it's typically the the next day or if it's really bad two days later Mm -hmm. is when I'm able to be like it's okay that you had a bad day like it's okay everyone has bad days it's all right to have them (laughs) and to have the awareness around how I would do it differently so yeah well and like you said you know everyone has bad days and and you know this saying came up in a conversation that I had just the other day and it was like, it's pretty easy to show up when the sun's shining, right? Yeah. What are you doing when it's raining, right? You still have to show up. You still have to go and, and do your work, right? You just, you don't get to shut down just because, because it's raining. And the biggest, the biggest thing and, and the kind of the go-to for a lot of us is when it gets hard, you isolate, right? You totally. take it all on, you internalize it, you bury it. 
and just try and figure it all out. But instead it just turns into a big jumbled mess inside our minds and just creates fog when, you know, that's the time where it's like, you know what, I need to just get out of here and find some, find some fun and some joy. It just kind of like, you know, I actually talked about this with a client today and it's like, we're on our path and our path is, is forward and backward, you know, where we came from, where we're going. But to truly see what we're doing, you need to just take a, a little step sideways, right? And if you take that little step sideways, it's like, oh, here's the direction, right? Mm -hmm. Or just get outside of yourself because it's, it's, it's hard to see it when you're in it and when you're living your life and, you know, maybe stuck in a bit of a rut. And, you know, it's just almost just like needs a, a new set of glasses to look through. Yeah. Yeah, I refer to that as being the observer totally. of think, thinking of it like, like a triangle. Like I've got the base on the bottom, I've got self, then I've got ego down here, but then up, up at the top, that's where I get the perspective from. That's mm -hmm. where the perspective comes from. Because for me, being the observer also means that I'm looking at my life objectively rather yeah. than subjectively living the emotions that I'm feeling. I'm more so at least this is the, this is the goal. This is what I work towards is seeing and feeling the emotions and feeling the entirety of it. It's not saying like, Oh, just notice it, but then basically feel neutral. It's like, no, no, no. I need to feel all of this, but also seeing it objectively and seeing the bigger picture, mm -hmm. asking the questions of why do I feel this way? Why is yeah. this coming up? And, and, Cause it's, it's so easy for me to get wrapped up into the emotion of it and just stay there and brute and just like like spin stories in my head mm -hmm. but as soon as i pull myself out of that and into the observer i'd be like oh i reacted like this because this triggered something that was familiar from childhood or whatever it might be mm -hmm. uh yeah being the observer taking that sidestep like that's that's huge that's really really powerful like and that and that's something that uh, I know is challenging for people. Um, it's challenging to take that sidestep and to like detach from the emotions and just see it as just energy moving through needing to be processed. For sure. And, and, you know, it's like, like I said, it's easy to just kind of like get stuck and, and then stop doing, you know, stop doing the work. And by the work, I mean, like, you know, just take a breath. Yeah. Stop and, you know, take, take a few breaths. Like, you know, um, I read some, I read uh, an article and it, it was from a Japanese scientist that said, if you take six deep breaths, you can completely alter your mental state. I'm like mm -hmm. six breaths. It takes like 10 seconds. Right. Yeah. And you can, you can change your total mental state. And that's powerful. He's like, not five, not seven, six. And I was like, Okay, well, that's one, that's one tool. How about meditation? How about yeah. going for a walk? How about listening to music? How about just like going outside, right? Or, you know, having a good conversation with a friend saying, you know what, I feel kind of stuck right now, Nick. I'm really glad we're talking. Um, it just feels good to say that, right? But you know what, it's like, no, I don't need help. I'm not gonna reach out. He's not gonna wanna listen. Again, what are those? Stories. Yeah. Okay. That's your story. Keeping you small. Yeah. Yeah. Story and, and assumptions. 
That's one thing I was totally. talking with a brother yesterday of like letting go of the assumptions. Mm-hmm. That's been, that's been something where I, I like to think that I can put the dots together fairly well and see what's going on. But then again, I'm just assuming, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it comes to like a relationship or like I, I'm having a disagreement with whoever. And it's funny, I'm having even a hard time talking about this because I just don't have disagreements with people very often. Um, but like being able to, um, gosh, I lost my, I lost my wording. Do you I, feel- uh, I know I kind of can feel a little bit of something too, but the one thing that comes through, like when you said assumptions, it's like, it's really when you make an assumption or put a label on something, it makes it easier to accept, right? Like it's like, oh, well, that's known now. Whereas the scariest part of a lot of this and life in general and everything that's going on is the unknown, right? Not knowing is a scary part, but if you can be accepting that we actually really know nothing at the end of the day, that's an even more powerful piece. Like knowing that there's so much unknown and being okay with that and just like taking your steps every day. Oh, this doesn't feel good. Okay, why? Figure that out. Do the work around that um let it go and continue moving forward each step at a time if you can get to that space it's such a like there's such power in that but you know there's there's so many layers to to dig through and and peel back like like we're all like massive onions with you know (laughs) millions of layers that that uh you never really actually truly get get finished yeah there's there's a certain level of just security that I think needs to be found in order to have that sort of just trust in the unknown. Mm-hmm. And that's been a conversation that I've had with, with friends because my security, my security used to come from the number in my bank account. That's where security used to come from. Me too, yeah. I used to feel secure when I was happy with what the number was in the bank account. Now my security comes from my trust in the universe doesn't always that's always it's still challenging it's still a work in progress but that's where i'm working on having my soul security come from and feeling safe because i have trust in the universe because that's something that that can never be taken away a number in a bank account sure there could be some shit that goes down where that number goes down to zero and then all of a sudden oh my God, I feel so insecure. I don't feel safe. And then I'm now reacting from this place of, I don't even know what the fuck to do when I'm uncertain and unsafe. But if I can find that safety and security and, okay, one, the universe has my back. It has always had my back and it will continue to have my back. And two, what's meant for me is meant for me whenever it comes. Like that's a phrase that I've been saying to myself more often than not lately of, especially with letting go of expectations or um, letting go of timelines of when I think things should show up or should happen. Um, It's just reminding myself that, you know what, like at the end of the day, what's meant for me is meant for me. And it's going to show up when it's, when it's good and ready. And it's on me to be patient in the meantime. Yeah. And what, yeah, what shows up for me, like, is what I'm procrastinating on, right? 
yeah. I'll procrastinate and put things off and whatever and think that I'm actually moving forward, but it's the things that I'm procrastinating on that are like the locks on the door, right? Mm. You know, if I have this, I'm like, oh man, I really don't want to do this. I just put myself in there to do it, whether it's like, maybe it's like taxes or paperwork or, you know, a, a difficult conversation. You do that. It's amazing. Just one, how much better you feel when you're, when you're through it, but yeah. it literally is like unlocks the door to the next thing. And it's like, fuck, I was waiting for that for how long. Right. Yes. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful. And you know, that's, what's been kind of showing up for me lately. Yeah, that resonates a lot because along with grace being my word for 2022, um, New Year's Eve when my my wife and I did our own little celebration at like 5:30 before we did bedtime with the little one, we didn't stay up till midnight. Um, oh, when we when we cheersed, um, she's like, "What are we cheersing to?" And the first thing that came to mind is that this year may be guided, and that's it. Mm is like you just like you were saying is, is the things that i procrastinate as soon as i move forward on those then the next message comes then the next door opens and it's trusting those messages and then the patience piece comes in with acting on those messages and then being patient until the next one comes mm -hmm. and not and, and like uh it's so, it's so challenging. And this morning, I actually did a really, really good job doing that is trusting my messages. And I am like, well, I don't feel like there's anything coming through right now. So I'm going to go play with some blocks with Lila. We're going to go build some stuff. I'm just going to sit on the floor and we're going to play. And like, that's, that's the work, you know, mm -hmm. like that's uh, this whole podcast around is around the work, but like, it can be as simple as that. It can be as simple as six breaths to completely reset your entire body, reset that nervous system, find that balance again, or it can be as simple as sitting down on the floor and playing with some building blocks with my little one. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that you bring that too, because, you know, one of the hardest things for me was learning how to be, just Ooh. be, right? You know, and that's, you know, one thing that uh, I would say if there, if there was, Two things that I've learned is, is one, the power of, to be able to choose yourself first. It's like, you know what? If I choose myself first, I can be the best version of myself so that I can show up better for my partner, for my kids, for, you know, everyone else in my life. But I have to choose me first. So that's kind of the number one thing. But also yeah. just how hard it is to just be. Yeah. Right. And you know what? And to know that you're worthy of that and that you deserve that and you don't have to perform and me talking, this is me talking to myself. Yeah. You don't have to perform for what you deserve. You don't, you just, you deserve it. Can you repeat that one more time for the men in back? Yeah. <laughs> like, that that is what? something that, it, uh, yes, you're saying it to you, but like me too. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that there's a lot of a lot of men and, and women that are listening that are probably like, yeah, 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 me too. Because we've been so taught in the Western world that performance means success, performance means progress. And just sitting and being means that you're lazy. 
And it means that you're not trying hard enough. And, oh, well, the most successful people, they've been up for three hours already and, and you're sitting here meditating. What are you doing? You're not doing anything with your life. You know, like, so if you can remember it, now that I've given you this little intro, can you say it again? Because it's really, really important what you just said. Absolutely. It's like, you know, knowing and believing that you're worthy and you're deserving of just being. Yes. And that's, you know, it's, you spoke to it, right? Being busy, the distractions, like if I sit down right now and, and relax for a moment, um, I'm being lazy and I should be doing, what, what should I be doing? I should be somewhere or whatever, you know, totally. it's almost, it's, it's a trauma response from, you know, from everything that we've been, been shown from our, you know, past generations and, you know, you know, our parents and, and our relationships and stuff like that. So it's like, that to be able to just be is the hardest thing, but it's probably what we deserve and need most in the entire yes. world is to just like, just sit and relax and take a breath and, you know, take a load off because you probably don't even realize how, how much you need it and all of the things that you're carrying with you. If you don't, if you don't actually take a moment to, to sit and do that. And, you know, being busy doesn't mean you're productive. No. Right? Yeah. It's in the spiritual community. I have seen that being busy can sometimes mean always going to ceremony or always doing this or always doing that or having a cord cutting or whatever it may be. And I know for me, the times that I have felt the least connected with spirit and the least in relationship with spirit is when I've constantly been trying to keep busy. Mm. And like, even like, like me stay at home, dad, like I keeping busy for me is always trying to think of the next thing to clean around the house or Lila's napping. Okay. What can I get done? Or like, all right, I got to get this done in this amount of time before she gets up. Cause then we got to do this by this time. And just getting caught up in just the busyness of it. And Megan has been um, reminding me quite a bit recently that, hey, you know what? Maybe some stillness would do you some good. Oh, man. Maybe just sitting, just, just being still. And those have been the times that I've had the most clarity, that the messages come through. I mean, it was like, I think it was last week, Monday, I had just, just a bad day. I just woke up in a, in like a frustrated, short fused, angry kind of mood for seemingly no reason. And instead of trying to keep myself busy to not think about it, while Lila was napping, I went, laid down on my bed found a nice little binaural beats track for like heart healing or something like that. That was just something for my mind to work through, to keep it busy enough. So the messages could actually come through. Sure. And, and that's when it came through that I was, I was more so angry at myself for not moving forward on the things that I wanted to do. Cause I stopped saying yes to myself. Cause I got, I got back into the, not necessarily rut, but just the routine of the day-to-day -day and just being dad and, and not mm. being Nick. Um, but if I didn't take that moment of stillness, I never would have known. I never would have known that that was 
playing a, a, a pretty decent role. Um, yeah, stillness is so important. So, yeah. so, so important. And I need to do more of it. That's for sure. Your, uh, your Megan sounds like a pretty special person, you know, to have somebody, to have somebody that's a, that's a support and, you know, one that kind of recommends to you to, to do that stuff and take care of yourself. And, and, you know, that's, that's a support system and a teammate that, uh, you know, many of us don't get to have. Yeah. I, I'm very, very fortunate, very, very fortunate. Cause yeah, she knows typically what I'm, what I'm needing, even if I'm not seeing that that's what I'm needing in the moment. Um, and like, that's been tough. Cause I, as much as I love the support, I have a hard time receiving it. Oh man. That's like, uh, I, I, big yeah, it, it is. I, I have such a hard time receiving it. And um, it, there was a conversation that we had at one point where she told me, she's like, I just feel like you never want to hear what I have to say, or I can never say the right thing when, oh, like man. when I'm just trying to help. And it, it, it was sad for me to hear that because, because I, and I, and I explained this to her, I'm like, that's just not true. I have a really hard time receiving what you're saying. And in the moment I, 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 my ego, the ego, I doesn't want to hear it. I want to stay in this mood. I want to figure it out. I want to do this on my own because one, I'm probably shaming myself for being in this mood in the first place, thinking, Nick, you're better than this. You can do different. Like you shouldn't be here. Pull yourself out of this. Right. But then I told her, I'm like, but I always look back on what you say when, when the mood passes slightly, mm -hmm. when I'm able to come down and, and be a little less heated is when I, is when I go back and I, and I think about what she said. Um, Cause it's always what I need to hear. Totally. It's just in that moment. But like part of that, it, like part of the medicine is that in that is the fact that I had to tell her that, Hey, I'm just having a really hard time receiving it. Cause for and me, here's why, right. And, and here's why, like, like, yeah. that's, uh, I can, I 100% relate to that exactly. And it happened literally, you know, my partner is someone who's, she's a helper, right? She, she actually believes in me more than me. And mm. that's, you know, something that I've struggled with as well, because I'm like, why is it that she's showing up for me more than I am? So that's something that I've really had to work on over the, you know, we've been together for three and a half years. And, and uh, again, like that acceptance of help, right. You know, and not feeling worthy if you can't do it yourself. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what shows up for me is like um, just because I couldn't figure it out or if she's helping me in that moment and I'm not doing it on my own, it's like, Oh, you're not a man. You're not worthy enough. Right. And it's like, and then being able to accept that. But, you know, Nick, I, I would I would venture to say that you're very similar to me and that if anyone needed a hand with something, I could be like, hey, Nick, uh, can you push me out of the snowbank or can you help me change this tire or you yeah. know, can you look after my kids? And you'd be like, fuck, dude, I'm there, right? Yep. That's me too. But would I ever ask for that? No. I'm like, why, am, why are we so stubborn to not ask for help? And then when it shows up, we don't receive it. Like, fuck, it's just like, it's just no. And it all stems back to like, you know, like you said, from childhood, like yeah. you know, our worthiness issues where it's like, 
man, if, uh, you know, if I can't do it on my own, then, then I'm not good. enough. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's what, when I have a bad day, I don't feel deserving of love mm. because that was kind of how I felt about like growing up. If I didn't have good grades, if I didn't do well on a test or whatever, because that was the gold standard for how I was as a child or as a teenager, it was like, how well are you doing in school? Um, and so, yeah, so the way that that's played out is like, part of the reason why I have a hard time receiving it is because I don't feel like I deserve it. Mm -hmm. And until I had the acknowledgement that I do have a hard time receiving the support, it perpetually played out. Like it's, I'm, and played out meaning I had the same response, no matter how much of an awareness I had around it until I verbally said it to Megan that like, hey, I'm trying my best to receive what you're saying. I want the help. I'm just having a hard time doing it. Mm -hmm. Like that was such a pivotal point for me looking back on it now. Like even now, as we're talking about this, I'm like having flashes of conversations that we've had and it persisted until I acknowledged it. And, and like, that's been something that... <laughs> saying it now it seems so obvious because that's how every situation is in life until you acknowledge it will persist because 100%. there's a lesson there that's trying to come through that's like yo no you you want to learn this your soul is craving this sort of growth so i'm going to keep giving you this opportunity to do that you just got to look at me you got to acknowledge that i'm here and until i did that it just continued but it's been easier since i have had that, that admittance that, yeah, I, I struggle with receiving. I yeah. struggle with, with, with receiving that support, even though I, I, I know that you're right and I love you and I want this support. I want this help. I want to be in this partnership. I'm just having a hard time doing it. For sure. And, well, and how often, like how often in the past, I mean, and I'll speak from my own experience, was like everything that was given to me had a condition attached to it. Totally. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, then I'll just do it myself. Because if I'm receiving, then that means that I have to perform in a certain way. You know, like yeah. you're great, right? Oh, I'll love you if you get straight A's. Well, that's not, you can't trust. That's, that's love with condition. You yep. know, it's not unconditional love. And, you know, it sounds to me like, like you have unconditional love with Megan. And that's what I have with Kelly. And it's like, huh. She's actually just trying to help me because she loves me, not because she needs me to perform a certain way or be her man or, you know, be enough for her. Totally. I am enough that way. And she's just trying to help just like you would help her with anything that she would ever, you know, ask you to do. Right. So, yeah, it's a, that's a powerful piece. And I think like one of the things that came to me now is like allowing ourselves to see that in others. Cause like how you said, like you change someone's tired, you'd come over, watch their kids if they need in a pinch. And, and I'm willing to say like, you probably aren't expecting anything in return when you do those things. No, never. You know? And so part of that is seeing that, oh, other people can be like this too. It's not just me. And, and not being jaded so much. So to think that there's no one else out there that will, do something just out of the kindness of their heart without wanting anything in return. 
Mm-hmm. And that's part of just for me, just being hopeful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, oh. I agree. And that's something, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I feel like there's so many more, there's so many more people that, that are like that and will do that. But, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's, uh, they're traumatized and don't want to show that because they've been hurt. Right. And, and essentially, you know, I don't know if you've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And whether you like it or not, it's just, you know, that's naturally what happens. And, uh, you know, to speak like to speak to, to you saying, you know, the repeat patterns keep showing up. It's like, you know, um, Kelly actually has this saying, and it's like, she's like, it's like a tennis ball, right? The tennis ball hits you. Boom. Oh, that was a little bit soft and a baseball boom. And then a bowling ball and then a boulder and then a brick wall, right? Like, so it's yeah. like things continue to happen until you hit your brick wall moment or the rock bottom moment. And then you, you know, most likely you have a, a bigger, sh- you know, shitty Creek to, to paddle up. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's challenging because I found myself hitting those brick walls because I've just refused to look at something. Mm-hmm. But man, when I finally get to the point that I'm looking at something before I hit that brick wall, it's so much easier. Yeah. It's so much easier. And part of that is just having the willingness to see it in the first place, like you were talking about. Like, like, that, like that woman told you, you have to open your eyes, see your messages. They're literally hitting you in the face. Like I... I, I, the more that I look up the meaning of different things and just carry the belief that, okay, there are robins that love to sit out in the bushes right outside my house during the winter and they pop and I see them almost every day. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. That's not happening by accident. And, and just seeing the world that way, that's when the messages start to come through a little quicker and it doesn't necessarily need to take a bowling ball or a boulder or a brick wall to actually get the point across. Mm-hmm. But like just the, the willingness I think is huge to see those messages when they come through. Totally. And you know what, it's tough when you're stuck in the fog. Right. And um, I had a moment in, so been 20, yeah, 2020 in the fall, um, you know, Kelly and I, we got to the point where we were really, at a point in our relationship where we needed to make a decision. And she told me right from the very moment that we met that she wanted to have kids, right? And was completely upfront and honest with that. Well, I had already had kids and I had already had a vasectomy. So that was a decision that I had to make if, if we were to move forward. And though I loved her more than anyone that I've ever met before in my life, I'm like, there was moments where I'm going, do I want this or do I not? Right. I love her so much, but is, am I willing to go through with what I need to go through to, to like make that work? Or maybe it's just not in alignment. But for me, there was so much going on inside my head. I couldn't get clear one day. I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, I do want more kids and I want to, you know, I want to have this with her because you know, what a, what an amazing experience to co-create together. Yeah. And then the other one, I'm like, oh man, like um, my kids are like 12 and, and nine and, you know, they're soon going to be, you know, out of the house and I'm going to have a little bit more freedom and, you know, I don't have to worry about it. So like this tossing back and forth and this felt good, then this felt good, then this felt good. And it was just like my job at the time, I was really high impact uh, management, working for the government and the public and, and just getting lost in that. So that September... She goes, I wish that I could give you a month 
to three months away, but we don't have that time because the kids are coming back. So you got four days. So you can go and do whatever you want to do, right? So I, I had it in my head that I, not even in my head, but what I needed to do was get out to nature. So I packed my bag and my camping gear and some stuff in the cooler. And I literally drove to the woods and I kind of had an idea in mind. So I drove straight out there, no cell phone service. I didn't listen to music. I didn't listen to anything. Um, I just was wanting to get clarity and find out what, who, who I was and what I wanted. So yeah, I'm not like a, I'm not like a bush guy or anything. Like I'm not a hunter. So, you know, it's like very, very, um, a bear ridden territory. And, you know, so I'm like, oh God. I had bear spray and, and a, like an air horn. That was my protection in front against bears in my axe. Right. Love it. Love <laughs> but, it. Uh, I went there and, and probably my biggest fear was that, am I going to be able to clear my mind so that I can understand what my heart's telling me is the, mm -hmm. is the right answer for me. And I had no idea and neither did she. So there was this, this almost like this fear that I wouldn't be able to find it. And, you know, when I got to, got to shut everything off, I set up camp, started a fire, sat in a lawn chair and started just writing in my journal. And within two hours, I knew what I was going to do. And, and I was clear and I was just like, so grateful that, that it happened that quickly because I was afraid that it wasn't going to, and that I was going to like, not yeah. sure, like, am I choosing for her? Or am I choosing because I don't want to disappoint someone or, or whatever. But you know, what came through to me was like, I finally have everything that I've ever asked for in a person. Um, and she wants to have a life with me and, and, you know, a family with me. And the only reason that I didn't want to have any more kids too, because I was, you know, we had the trauma around my, the loss of, of our son and my wife had diabetes and there was a risk, but also, you know, those were just red flags, but the bigger picture was I didn't want to have any more kids with her. Mm. And that was the realization that came through. Um, now I have somebody that's so amazing that I love so much that wants to with me. Why would I not want that when I love kids? I've always wanted to have more and you know, it's, I just had to go through the surgery really to get it done. So just to have that clarity, I'm like, huh, that is what I want. And this is why I didn't want it, or this is what I was afraid of. So I still had, you know, three, three and a half full days left in the mountains. And it was this, the best experience that I ever had. I was like, like I said, I was by myself. I did like naked cold plunges in the, in the glacier ice river. And, and I love it. Did like 20 kilometer hikes and and just wrote letters to, to everyone that I ever had, like things to say to that were left unsaid, uh, myself included, you know, sure. um, there was family members, there was coworkers, there was bosses, there was, you know, my ex, you know, myself, my children, like all of this, you know, stuff that, that came out, it was, uh, so powerful to be able to, to go through that, that sort of experience and, and scary as well, but it's, uh, yeah, it was pretty special. Man, what medicine. And I, I, God, I love that it happened in two hours because I think that that's so, it just speaks volumes to how clear we can get if we just give ourselves the space. Mm -hmm. Like if we don't ever turn off the external noise, like, okay, I think about it like this. If you're praying 
all the time, asking for this life, asking for whatever it is, but you never take the time to just sit and listen for the answer. It's you're, you're saying it, but it's half-hearted, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, yeah, there's so, I just, I just wrote down, uh, this is probably gonna be the title of the episode, clarity and simplicity. Totally. Because like we talked about at the very beginning, the running, the clarity that came from just running and being in that headspace of just, it's real simple. I put one foot in front of the other and that's all I got to do right now. Oh, man, it, al- so- it, it allows so much space for those messages to come through because our minds are like antennas, really. Mm-hmm. Like it's been learned that we don't actually store any of the information in our head. It, we actually go and reach out within our field to, to get that information. And so if you're all, if we're always bogging down basically the, the reception by adding in this extra white noise or this extra like frequencies, then we're never really getting the full picture. Yeah. And I love that. Like just going out in nature, like I, as you know, I mean, you're up in Canada, it's probably colder for you there right now, but this morning to give you an idea, it was probably about uh, minus 35 Celsius. Here oh yeah. Is what it was. It so was I'm, uh, cold. I'm on the opposite, you know, I'm in uh, Northern British Columbia. Like, so I'm closer to, I'm closer to Alaska than I am to like Washington. Okay. Right. Okay. So, yeah. It's uh, we had, we were like minus 47, minus 51, a couple of times here a few weeks ago. And yeah, as we hit a little bit of a warm spell here right now, which is nice, but yeah. Yeah. What do you call a warm spell? Because those numbers are disgusting. And from what I've learned about Canadians, a warm spell can be minus 20. And you're like, this feels great. It's like minus eight. And I'm like, oh man, it's uh, feels pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. But like to speak to that too, Nick, like you said, um, when I tell that story to a lot of people, they're like, holy fuck, I could never do that. That'd be, I'd be so afraid to just, you know, be that quiet and figure out what comes up in my mind and in my heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you could totally do it. And it, and it can be a scary place, but I'm like, yeah. it's that kind of thing. Like that's when I also realize I'm like, Hmm, the money that, that I'm so afraid of that I'm worried about losing or the job or the, the status, the, all of that, that outside noise in the, the 3d, right? The, the ego. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, that actually doesn't mean anything. Cause if I can find stillness and wholeness inside my heart right now, sitting here with nothing, and it just feels so good. Mm-hmm. All of the rest of that stuff, you know, those are additions in my life. Right. Yeah. And if they're problems and causing me stress, I can get rid of it because I don't actually need it because this is how I feel right now. Yep. And this is like, this is what I've been going for my whole life. Like, thank you. Right. Thank you for this quiet. And then, you know, to, to speak to like what I would say, like you were, like you were saying, like to bring this stuff into your life, integrating it and, you know, sitting in silence and letting that stuff come, but trying to integrate back into, you know, the so-called real world where you're back in the, in the grind. It's, it's a, it's a tough, that's a tough thing to do, but man, what a, what a powerful place. Yeah. One of my favorite exercises to bring myself to this space of, I have everything I need in this moment, just the way I am. Mm. One of the things that I do is 
uh, holding the out breath when I'm doing breath work. So, because I love, didn't know this because it was the first time I heard this was at the beginning of a sacred sons council. Uh, the facilitator was like, okay, and now we're about to hold the out breath for as long as you can. And I'm like, excuse me. So you want me to expel all the air out of my lungs and then sit there without air for as long as I can. What? Like without any, I'm like, I'm down to like, take a deep breath and hold it. But you're telling me to expel it. Like it sounded scary for me. And what I found was it was one of my favorite feelings because mm -hmm. my entire like chest and diaphragm and abdomen was so compact that my body was just so close together that I could feel my heart beating in a way that I'd never feel mm -hmm. any other time. Oh, and cool. like, it was so much so that I could almost pick up which side of my heart was pumping first. Like I could feel this like jolt in my body, this boom, boom, wow. boom, boom. And it was in that moment that I, like the first time I did that, the phrase that came to me was, I have everything I need in this moment. Mm. I don't need anything else. Without any air in my body, I have everything that I need. Because I was able to hold my breath and like, I'm, I wanna try again. I've, and I keep forgetting to try again at some point, but like, I'm pretty sure it was like 45 seconds to a minute. Wow. Which felt like eternity. Totally. And it was, <laughs> yeah. it was, and it was only when I stopped focusing on how much time had passed that I was able to keep going. Cause as soon as I started getting fixated, I'm like, Oh my God, it's been this long. My brain starts to like, be like, Oh my God, dude, you need air. Like, what are you doing? And I yeah, start panicking and like, it's like <gasps> take the deep breath, but like to bring myself into that stillness of, I have no air in my lungs and yet I still have everything I need. Mm. Like it, it's, it's so simple and so powerful. Um, and now that I'm saying this, it's something that I am, my, my intention going forward is to do this more often. Totally. Uh, I, I don't do that specific breath work very often. Yeah. And that's one, you know, that's one that I use for, for when I, you know, if I can't get to sleep and I'll do the six breaths and on the seventh breath, I will hold it in mm -hmm. as long as I can. And then when I release that, I'll hold it out as long as I can. And, you know, it's uh, just the feeling of that. It just feels like you've just completely cleansed yourself. But, yeah. you know, one thing that, that shows up for me when I, when I first started doing that is like, oh, I'm panicking on the holding the out breath because I can't surrender to letting go of it all. Whereas when I'm holding it in, I've got the air. I've got everything and I'm yeah. controlling it. So I was like, oh, interesting. So that was kind of like what showed up for me as a realization. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. I need to surrender more. Wow. wow. What a distinction too. Cause the, like, it's a totally different sensation to be holding the breath and being like, yep, got everything I need. I am great. But it's a whole different ball game to have no air in your lungs, have that release and that, that emptiness to know that even when I'm fully empty, I'm good. Yeah. Like I'm good here. I'm good as I am. Even when everything is stripped away. It could be the job title. It could be the number of the bank account. It could be whatever it may be for whoever's listening. But if I can find a space where I'm feeling really solid in myself and I feel like I've, I'm provided for completely and utterly in this moment, in this current present moment, like not future projecting, not thinking about yesterday, but like in this moment right now, 
I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. Got no air in my lungs, but I feel really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's an exercise worth trying if you haven't. I, I'll say that. I agree. I didn't realize that the breath holds would be so powerful. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I really enjoy too. I love that there was a ding just then to like signify, like for me, like my mind's going, that's the universe. Again, right? Signs from the universe. So take it as a coincidence, call it a coincidence. I don't believe in them. It's a sign saying like, oh, we need to do more breath holds, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. This is, this is important. Pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, that also happens to me if I'm talking on the phone with somebody and we get cut off or if we drop the call or something in that moment, whatever I was going to say, I'm like, oh, the universe wants me to repeat this because this totally. is important, yeah. whatever it may be. Evidently, I need to repeat this for a reason. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I've been noticing it a lot too with uh, the lights flickering, right? You know, it's yeah. like supposed to be your angels and guides telling you, giving you messages. And it's been so funny, like depending on who I'm talking to over the last couple of days, especially the lights have literally like been, been flickering on and off. It was, uh, yeah. Have you noticed it during this call? Cause I uh, like two or three times in like this visual space for me, I felt like I saw some flicker, some flash, something. I don't know what it was, but there's been two or three times as we've been talking, I've been like looking over at you on the left side of my screen and over here in like the right peripheral, I see some little flash and I'm just like, what? For sure. Well, no, I believe it. I believe it. Oh Yeah. Angels are here. Our guides are here. Uh, this feels like a really, really good landing space. Thank you for mm-hmm. being here, man. This has I been really nice. It, you and I haven't had the chance to really just sit down and talk and get to know who you are. And I, I, I don't talk a ton in councils all the time. So typically don't get to know who I am uh, a ton. So I'm really, really happy that we got to have this time in this space. Yeah. Same here, brother. I appreciate you reaching out and, uh, you know, you should be proud of yourself for starting something like this and putting yourself out there because it is, you know, it's easy to say one thing that you want and, and you know, putting the action in is, is totally different. So, you know, good on you for, for putting yourself out there and doing this. And it's, yeah. a, it's an honor for me to be here. Thank you. Thank you. The, the secret is simplicity. If I tried to plan all this out, I wouldn't do it. So Clarity and simplicity is the phrase that I am walking away with. Um, Yeah, feels really, really, really good. So for everyone who's listening, thank you so much for being here. Um, Until next time, I love you. I see you. I am you. Mm -hmm.